This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a podcast from the Canon, an Espionation blog dedicated to your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and I'm here on yet another rainy Monday night, getting real sick of all the rain. Uh, it was at least a beautiful weekend in Columbus, so that was great. Um, and man, I'm really missing Blue Jackets hockey, or even just news about the Blue Jackets. I feel like things are too quiet. Um, you know, at this point last year, we had a coaching search. We were, you know, wondering what Seth Jones was going to do. Just in general, the direction of the team wasn't clear. So there was a lot to talk about in terms of, well, are they going to try to, you know, add talent to what they had? Or were they going to tear it down and rebuild? You know, we just didn't know. But this year, we know what the plan is. So there aren't many surprises on the way, probably. Um, you know, the big thing is just seeing what we do with our RFAs, you know, especially Patrick Line. But so it's just a waiting game. And then, you know, I want to just fast forward to, you know, training camp. Let's get ready to next season. Like we kind of know what this team's gonna look like. I just wanna see, you know, the guys in action that we saw this year and add in, you know, a full season of Kent Johnson, a full season of Kirill Marchenko, guys like that. Um, but, you know, that's still four months down the line. Um, so we just have to wait. And that's, uh, <laughs> as Tom Petty said, that is the hardest part. And I, I know a lot of Jackets fans are feeling the same way. But, yeah, there wasn't there just weren't even as many questions this week. I solicited questions for the mailbag, and people just weren't feeling it, which, you know, hey, I, I don't blame you for that. But, again, they, there's just not that many questions because we sort of more or less know what's going to be happening. Um, we did get one question, though, from Curtis D., 
Who is the ideal selection at number six and number 12 overall, realistically? So that's a very good question. And honestly, one that I don't have the answer to yet because I'm not a draft expert. I don't follow the prospects. I don't have time during the season to follow what non-drafted prospects are doing. I'm too focused on what the Jackets are doing. So, But this is the time of year where uh, I start to do my research. And I will say that next week on the Canon is when we will start doing our draft prospect profiles. So be sure to go to jacketscanon.com and uh, to be able to learn about the top 20 or so prospects, the, the prospects that realistically will be among the ones chosen by the Jackets at number six and at number 12. So I feel like from the initial reading that I've done, that there are a few players who are not going to be in range realistically. So Shane Wright is the uh, prospective number one pick. But it's there's been kind of a Shane Wright backlash, I feel like. Um, you know, for years now, he's been pegged as the top prospect in this draft class. And then... Over the last year, you know, his numbers weren't as great because, you know, he missed an entire year due to COVID shutting down the OHL. And then this year, his numbers were were good, but not great. And, but he was still seen as the best prospect. So it's like, oh, he's the number one, but, you know, he's not a Connor McDavid type generational talent. He might just be a, like, Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer, like, really good player, you know. High floor, but maybe not as high of a ceiling as as some other number one prospects. Um, but then lately, I've seen some things questioning, like, well, maybe someone else will be the number one pick, which I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that's more just writers doing clickbait or just trying to find something else to talk about, because if everyone knows going in, oh, it's going to be Shane Wright, well, then that's, you know, there's less fewer surprises and just not as it's not as interesting, right? Um, I think I don't think Montreal is going to overthink this. They can use help at center, and I think if you had a one-two punch of Nick Suzuki and Shane Wright for a long time, then uh, you're going to do pretty well. So I think I think Montreal is going to go that way. Um, there's uh, this Juraj Slavkowski. He's a uh, Slovak winger. Um, some people are very high on him. I've seen him even number one on some lists. Uh, I think he will go in the top three. Certainly he makes a lot of sense for New Jersey at number two, cause they've got those centers. So they, but they do need scoring help at wing. Um, Logan Cooley is another prospect that seems to be a big riser. So those three, I think are going, going to go. If not in the top three, then certainly in the top five. I don't see any of those guys falling to us. Um, and then beyond that, there's you know not a lot of agreement for other prospects within the top 15 or so. Um, and I'm choosing to look at that as a positive in terms of, well, we can't really go wrong. There's a lot of good options out there. Maybe no great options, maybe no elite talents, but at least very good players, players that will definitely be NHLers. And if we can get two of them, that gives us a lot of options going forward. It really helps our pipeline. Um, 
we've got to take a center. At least one of these picks has got to be a center. Um, because we just don't have enough of those in the system. You can never have too many of those. Um, I feel like we've done a lot to build up uh, our defensive pipeline. So I don't know that we would go with a defenseman. Um, but there are some here in this class that are seem pretty highly regarded. So I wouldn't rule that out. Um, a player that is a definite winger, get that doesn't seem like as much of a need just because we already have a lot of intriguing young forward prospects. Um, then I don't know if there's room for another one of those guys in our roster currently. Um, although maybe it, you know, that puts us in a position to trade someone that we currently have on the roster, you know, to make room for a new prospect. Um, but I think I think if we can go hard on center, there's a lot of players at the top of this class who have the capability of playing center. Um, you know, and you pair up a guy like that with Cole Sillinger, and all of a sudden uh, we're looking a lot better down the middle for the long term. So that's that's why I see us getting. And you know, check back in a few weeks where I will have you know written some of these profiles and read what the other writers have written, and I'll have a better idea of which players I am most looking forward to. I will say from what I have read that Matthew Savoy intrigues me. He had a great season for the Winnipeg Ice. He's a center. He is undersized, which is not ideal for that position, but it sounds like he has the skill to make up for it. And again, I'm just not going to turn down a player that is super skilled, you know? And I know that the Jackets love guys that are, you know, they're high character guys that they work hard, but there's some skills that you just can't teach. And if you can get a guy with at least one elite skill set, you know, like Patrick Liney with his shot, then I think you have to go out and get that guy, especially with a pick there in the top 10. So that that's why I see in the draft at this point. But again, as I do more research, we'll see if that answer changes. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.
Uh, elsewhere in the hockey world, uh, just before I started recording, the news broke that Boston has fired their head coach, Bruce Cassidy. And I am stunned by this. Um, I don't know how you can look at that Bruins team and think that coaching was the problem. If anything, with the way that the roster had gotten less deep and less talented over the years, uh, Cassidy made that team better than they should have been. Now, so for that reason, the only way that it would make sense to move on from him is if they feel like they're going to go into a full rebuild, and so they need a worse coach if they want to fully tank. Because otherwise, he's a guy that will make the team better than they should be. Um, so if they feel like Patrice Bergeron's going to retire, you know, that would be another reason to go ahead and try to pull the plug and start to retool or whatever. But um, yeah, if I were Boston ownership, I would be replacing the general manager, Don Sweeney, before I replaced Bruce Cassidy as head coach. And it's fascinating now looking at the coaching market that Barry Trotz and Bruce Cassidy are two recent winners of the Jack Adams trophy and they're on the market now. Um, so there are two teams out there who are going to get very lucky by getting very good coaches that are out there. Um, but then watch some team is going to hire a mediocre retread like Rick Tockett instead, uh, because the NHL is an old boys club and I don't know what they're thinking. As I'm recording, I'm watching game four of the Western conference finals Colorado has a 3-0 lead in the series and a 1-0 lead in this game after one period. Uh, Colorado is just so good. Uh, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. Even though they're playing with their backup goalie, uh, Pavel Francois, he's playing really well. Um, even without Nazem Kadri, they're still doing well tonight. Uh, that hit was awful. Um, if you didn't see it, Evander Kane... Uh, boarded Kadri early in game three and uh, Kadri has needs to have surgery on his thumb. He is out for the remainder of the series at least. So if the abs move on to the final, it's possible that Kadri will not be able to play there. And that's super disappointing. Um, you know, he has missed time due to suspension the last couple postseasons, and that has done the abs in. And I give him credit. This season, he has made a concerted effort to be less of a hothead and avoid the dirty hits where he could. And instead, he's focused on playing the best hockey of his career. And, you know, you never like to see a guy get hurt, but especially a guy that was playing so well and was improving that weakness in his game. Um, and then meanwhile, Evander Kane is doing kind of what we expect from Evander Kane. He's... He's a bad dude. He's a bad dude off the ice. He's a bad dude on the ice. And, you know, that hit was unforgivable. He got suspended for one game, which kind of doesn't feel like enough. But if the Oilers lose this game, then, well, he's out for the remainder of the postseason, uh, which that is appropriate. Um, you know, and he was having such a good postseason. He, he was leading the league in postseason goals this year. Um, and then he has to go do something like this. You know, it was not a hockey play. He was not trying to get the puck. He was trying to, if not hurt Kadri, at least shake him up again. But again, that's not, that's not hockey or that should not be hockey. 
you know, what does Kadri deserve? What did he do to deserve getting shoved hard into the boards like that? You know, I think the old school hockey does would be like, oh, well, you know, teaching him a lesson and like what about going into the boards about, you know, playing the puck, you know, what, what is, what is the punishment there? I, I, I don't understand. Um, so that, you know, and there's been some chippiness, uh, in both conference finals and I, that's, it's not hockey. You know, you got a guy like Jacob Truba, you know, throwing elbows, hitting guys in the head, knocking guys out of the series. Like that's, yeah, we need to get that out of the game. We know now the impact that head injuries have long-term. So we just have to, you know, train the players that they can't do these kind of hits that are going to put their opponents in danger, you know? So, yeah, I think, you know, even if Edmonton maybe wins this game tonight, though, I think Colorado has the series pretty well in hand. They're just so much better of a team. Um, now, in the East, I've been surprised. Uh, New York came to play. This is a team, their underlying numbers weren't great all season. They were carried by their goaltending for a long time. But they were their underlying numbers were getting better in the back half of the regular season and then have gotten better each round of the playoffs. This is a team that is coming into form at just the right time. Um, now, Game 3 in Tampa was back to Tampa controlling possession. The only reason that game was close was because Igor Shesterkin was playing out of his mind, and the Rangers were only able to get goals on the power play. But, uh, you know, I think they have what it takes to win this series. I'm not counting out the Lightning yet, because if any team can come back, in, you know, crawl back into this, it's the Lightning. But um, I would not be surprised if the Rangers pull it out. Uh, but I think the way it's looking in these conference finals, I don't know that either of those teams has enough to beat this form of Colorado. Now, we'll see if, you know, they have a better shot with Colorado not having Kadri. That's certainly a major factor. Um, or if, um, you know, not having Kemper, if that makes a difference, although Kemper has not been that great this postseason. So I think either way it can be an interesting final, but I do feel like at this point it looks like it's Colorado's to lose. All right, and with the time left, I have uh, one sort of non-hockey recommendation here, uh, although it is hockey-related. Uh, there's a new TV series on Hulu called Shorzy. So for anyone who is a fan of the show Letterkenny, this is a spinoff featuring a tertiary recurring character. Um, I've always enjoyed the Shorzy character. Um, he only pops up a few times every season and just to talk smack to other characters in the show. Um, I have a Shorzy hockey jersey that I've sometimes worn to Jackets games. It's always a big hit. Uh, I was skeptical of, you know, why can you really make a whole show around him? But it's really good. It's as good as Letter Kenny, maybe even better. Uh, we do see Shorzy's face this time. He is still played by Jared Kizo, who also is the star of Letter Kenny. Created both shows, is the head writer of both shows. Uh, and actually a pretty good actor. Um, you know, Shorzy looks different. He's got, you know, different hair. He's got a beard. He's missing a tooth. But even just the the body language is different. So you quickly don't even remember that you're watching the same actor. You just see this new character. And 
it's still very, very funny. It is laugh out loud, hilarious, um, and still some surprising amount of heart in there, but mostly just really, really funny. And if you like the hockey scenes in Letterkenny and the hockey stuff is my favorite part of that show. And this is an entire series of, you know, the hockey setting and, and it's tremendous. So if you have Hulu, highly recommend you check out Shorzy. Just six episodes. So you can you can binge through it in one sitting if you want to. So uh, again, if you're missing hockey like I am, uh, Shorzy can fill that void for you. That'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. For more content from the canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow the canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to angelapurley.com for more music and show dates.